先生。Let's continue on in our sermon series. 那叫做铁路客嘅人生。Our sermon series is called Pilgrim's Life. 今日嚟睇下第彼得后书第二章十九二十二节。And today's scripture text can be found in Second Peter chapter two verses ten to twenty-two. 各者咪讨论念不假先知。These are further discussions on knowing the false teachers. 嗱，顶礼拜咱讲讲假先知话沟我，天朝一只鸟，但是内面一只龙。As discussed last week, we said that these false teachers are like wolves in sheep's clothing. We need to know who these people are. And there are three methods in which we can identify these people. We will know them by their faith, by their actions, and by their outcome. Peter did not say. Peter was not yet done. From verses ten to twenty-two, in these thirteen verses, we talk about how these people are. What are their characteristics? What are their characteristics? We often say this statement: Being is more important than doing. Being is more important than doing. Who you are is more important than what you do. So we need to understand who these false teachers are. In these thirteen verses, there are four manifestations. They despise and they blaspheme. They are prone to promiscuity and carousing. They are greedy people. They are people who engage in empty boasting. These are who they are. These are the being of the false teachers. The first, they often despise and blaspheme. Look at verses ten to twelve. This is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desires of the flesh and despise authority. Bold and arrogant, they are not afraid to heap abuse on celestial beings. Yet even angels, although they are stronger and more powerful, do not heap abuse on such beings when bringing judgment on them from the Lord. But these people blaspheme in matters they do not understand. They are like unreasoning, unreasoning animals, creatures of instinct. Born only to be caught and destroyed, and like animals, they too will perish. Now, Gershendi told this expression. The first manifestation of a false teacher. They despise authority and heap abuse on celestial beings. This, when when we talk about this, they are speaking about those who are in authority. But when we speak about authority, these are authority given by the Lord. But when we speak about authority, these are authority given by the Lord. But when we speak about authority, these are authority given by the Lord. But when we speak about authority, these are authority given by the Lord. But when we speak about authority, these are authority given by the Lord. But when we speak about authority, these are authority given by the Lord. But when we speak about authority, these are authority given by the Lord. Whether it's the political authority of the of or our government, or the authority in the church, if they are not in agreement with what these people are represent, then they oppose them. Peter said, "Bold and arrogant." The people, Peter said, these people are bold and arrogant. They are too big, but they are not arrogant. They they may they may be very casual in their life. 
They, they are very courageous because they speak what's in their mind. They do whatever they want to do. They're not, they're not afraid of neither heaven nor earth or anything on earth. Do you know? When a person declares that he has no fear at all, don't admire these people. You know what kind of people are they? These are arrogant people and they fear no one. If a person has God in their heart, I would guarantee you that this person submits to authority. Because he knows. There's no authority on earth that is not from God. I submit myself to this authority and or to this organi- organization because I submit to the God behind this authority. I have heard somebody said, I only listen to God and I don't listen to men. I only submit to the authority of God and not to the authority of men. Let me tell you, these people are so frightening. You know why? You know why? Look at what the Bible says. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The same principle. It's the same principle. Whoever disobeys God's ordained authority whom we have seen cannot obey God. God whom we have not seen. So may the Lord help us. A very important manifestation of a Christian life is submission to authority. When Jesus became man, he became flesh. And the most important passage about it is in Philippians chapter 2. It's the story about him coming from heaven to become man. And he was obedient until the point of death. That is a very uh, good example set to us by the Lord Jesus Christ. So, that's why I have, that's why I have no, I'm not very casual or respectful towards those people who, have, who are not submitting to authority, regardless of who you may be. If you are unwilling to submit yourself to the authority of the church, I will not be, uh, I will not be respectful towards you, nor I will take you. Because my bottom line is very simple. It's either you leave or I'll leave. I will not give you a third option. Because this is with regards to submission to authority. And you say probably, Pastor, you're, Reverend Chung, you're very arrogant. I am the senior pastor of the church. In the 32 years I've been pastoring the church, I have never went against the authority of the church. Please ask the elders of a church. 
Whatever was decided, if I am not in agreement, as long as it's not in in opposition to the truth, I will never say anything against it. Because I submit myself to the authority given by the Lord to the church. So you have to pay attention to these kind of people. These are people who challenge this authority. You know how people challenge authority? A very simple word. They blaspheme. Do you, uh, have you noticed? From verses 10 to 12, in three occasions, the same word was mentioned. These false teachers, these false prophets, they would like to blaspheme. They blaspheme the celestial beings. They blaspheme in matters they do not understand. And an, an example was given that angels do not blaspheme such beings when they are bringing judgment on them from the Lord. What do we mean when we say blaspheme? You know, in the Chinese uh, text, it's, the, the word is very meaningful. Uh, in the Chinese word, it, when you combine them, it means to destroy and publicly criticize. So when you combine them, to blaspheme is to destroy someone through public criticism. You know who loves to blaspheme? Satan. Satan. That is his work. That's why Satan is also known as the accuser because he accuses people. Day and night, without any stop, he will continue to blaspheme God and his people. The very best example given was the story of Job. Now, one time God said, If you are to look at the whole world, there's nobody like my servant Job. He is upright and he was he's completely uh, uh, submissive and reverent to the Lord. And suddenly the Lord uh, Satan said, No, 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 Satan said, No. Job is submissive to you, he's reverent to you because of a reason. Not because he loves you. It's because you have blessed him with so much. He does not love you. He loves your blessings. And he loves whatever that it is that you've given to him. So let's try him. So take back your blessings, take back the gifts that you've given him. Let me tell you. Uh, Job will stand up and turn his back against you. That's the blaspheme, uh, blasphemous statement made by Satan. That's the work of Satan. It's the same for the false teachers and the false prophets. They, they blaspheme those celestial beings. And they blaspheme on things that they do not understand. Because they want to destroy God and the work of God and God's people. Let's give a very uh, a unique sample. Even the angels. 
Whenever they are in in a battle with the, with uh, the, with Satan and his beings, they do not dare to blaspheme them. You know what happened? In the book of, of Job, after Moses died, you know Moses was buried by the Lord. And Moses, a, a, a memorial service of Moses was the was conducted by God Himself. So nobody knew where Moses was buried. Yes. People, uh, God does not want people to know. Let me tell you. When, uh, if people knew or know where Moses uh, uh, is buried, and who Moses was, he was a man of God, the only person who met God face to face. They would, they would worship him as God. That's why God hid him. And nobody knows. But Satan knows. So Moses came and took the body. Angel, uh, angel, angel came and took the body. And the angels uh, will stop it. During that time, the Bible said, Even the angels dare not blaspheme against Satan. You know why? Angels, Satan. Satan was one of the archangels of God. And among the three archangels of God, he was probably one of the most glorious. So positionally, and he's Lucifer. Lucifer is one of the highest. That's why Gabriel dare not rebuke Lucifer. You know what he's saying? Even though Lucifer sinned and became Satan, Gabriel dare not blaspheme against him. Because positionally he knew that he was outranked by Lucifer. But he, he will only let God rebuke Lucifer. But these false teachers, false prophets, they will blaspheme against things they do not understand. So may the Lord help us. Dear church, as we gather, when you hear people beside you start to say bad things about other people, when they start saying things they shouldn't be saying. And the more they say, the happier they seem to be. And the more they, they would speak, the more they would reveal. What should you do? As a Christian, as a disciple of the Lord, you should be saying, let's stop this. Let's just pray for that person. If that person continues to speak, what should you do? You walk away. Don't mingle with those kind of people. But you say that's disrespectful. It's not being disrespectful. This is the teaching of the Bible. Do not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners. 
or sit in the seat of mockers. Don't sit, sit with these kind of people. These are mockers. These are wicked people. These are arrogant people who love to criticize and blaspheme other people. So may the Lord help us. We have to know these kind of people. These are not people whom we should be associating ourselves with. Second, these are people, these false teachers are people who are prone to promiscuity and carousing. Look at verses 13 and 14. They will be paid back with harm for the harm they have done. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. They are blots and uh, they are blots and blemishes reveling in their pleasures while they feast with you. With eyes full of adultery, they, were, they never stop sinning. They seduce and stable. They are experts in greed and a cursed brood. Outwardly, these false teachers may seem very pious. But in their heart, they are, they are full of wickedness. And they are filled with lust of the flesh. In verse 13. They are people who carouse and, and drink and, and, and do all these things in broad daylight. You know what this means? During broad daylight, during daytime, this is not a time for us to carouse, but it's time for us to work. This is what Jesus said. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. These false prophets, false teachers, they look at carousing as more important than working. Let me say it once more. It's not sin to eat and drink. It's not a sin to uh, to celebrate with other people. Because that's what the Bible says. To rejoice with those who are rejoicing. But, but look, don't look at these things as more important than your work. I know recent uh, in the past something happened. Uh, of course, this is not in our church. This happened in another church. The, there, were, there were several pastors who went out for visitation. After visitation, they went out to have a meal. There is no problem there. But after, well, during the mealtime, something happened. Not only did they eat, they drank a lot of of alcohol and they consumed a lot of alcohol and they became drunk so as they drove home they met an accident so they were tested for uh, for their sobriety and they were found to be drunk of course the church was not happy and the church disciplined these uh, Errant pastors. Let me uh, remind you. These are time. This this period of time was time for work. Because after their meal, meal, they should continue working. They celebrated too much. They drank too much. May the Lord help us. We have to learn how to 
exercise and practice self-control. If you take notes, in the New Testament, whenever they speak about celebration, it doesn't often end well. Whenever it's referred to in the New Testament, it does not refer to something that is good. In Luke chapter 16, this rich, young, uh, this rich master, they, he would drink and celebrate each day. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, these people, these uh, judge who would, would, um, uh, would, would uh, party all day. They're, they're living like as if they're dead. And the book of James, they, they, would, uh, they would speak out against these Christians who love to party more. Do you know what this means? To carouse means to eat, drink, and enjoy while indulging in the lust of the flesh. So may the Lord help us. You have to take note and know these false teachers by how they live their life. When they eat, they want to eat the best. When they drink, they want to drink the best. When, whenever they want to live, they want to reside in the, the best kind of place. You have to pay attention to these people, especially in today's society. There are many people who are promoting uh, this this. Uh, uh, prosperity gospel. God will bless us. And God will give us so many blessings. I remember this one pastor. Course, he's not in our uh, a pastor from our church. He's from another country. He was supposed to build uh, his church structure. Of course, he encouraged the congregation to give and to support. So he made a testimony. And the testimony wasn't bad. You know what he said? There's, I have this brother in our, in our church. He owns this very expensive car. This car is so expensive because it's so high end. Do you know? For the sake of the Lord, he sold that car. And he's, he bought a second-hand car. And, and the proceeds from the sale of that expensive car, he donated to the church. So when you hear these kind of testimony, it moves us. That person was willing to give up his best and to give to the Lord and, and settle for second best. That's a very good testimony. And that's, that's a very good testimony. But what's strange was, after three months, during his, one of his sermons, the pastor shared his own testimony. He said, thank the Lord. I've recently acquired the latest and best BMW car. Because the Lord blessed me. And I suddenly thought of this. Why did he not follow the example of that person in his church that he sold that car and helped the church? And donated whatever proceed that he, he earned from that sale to the church instead. So may the Lord help us. 
We need to observe the lives and lifestyle of our leaders. Not just listen to them when they preach. In uh, first, uh, Second Peter, he said, with eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce and stable, and they are experts in greed, an accused brood. In their eyes is full of authority. They are very sensual in their in their being. You know what this is mean? From their eyes you can see who they are inwardly. These are sensual people. He lives a very depraved and wicked life. You know what's strange? Even though I will just say this, what's interesting is despite how they live their life and their lifestyle, they attract so many followers. Because this kind of people, they have something. They have charisma. That charisma attracts people to them. These kind of people, they are very eloquent. Their physical appearance is very attractive. So when they speak, people listen and they believe in them. In Singapore, you know they they have this new kind of theology, this new kind of belief. There are two well-known pastors in Singapore. I will not speak their name. If you check YouTube, you would know. They, they live their life as if they are actors or actresses, they are celebrities. Look at her face. They are so attractive that they can be actors and actresses. That's true. I've never seen a man that, that handsome. And he's quite eloquent. No, it's no wonder that he attracts so many people. I want you to pay attention to something here. Your uh, lifestyle is not different, it's not the same with the gifts that the, the Lord has given you. Spiritual life and spiritual gift. Your spiritual life and your spiritual gifts. There are people with so much spiritual gifts, very be uh, beautiful kind of spiritual gifts. They are uh, quite good in singing. They are quite good in preaching. And they are good in, in teaching. Spiritual gift. These are spiritual gifts. But spiritual gift not equal to spiritual life. But spiritual gifts does not equate or equal a spiritual life. So you have to take note. Just because a person is very good in preaching doesn't mean he lives a very good life. Doesn't, if, doesn't follow that if a person is very good in leading a congregation in singing, that he will have a very good spiritual life. What do we mean when we say spiritual? 
to life. It's a life that manifests manifests uh, manifests the fruit of the spirit. Do you have love? Does he have joy? Does he have patience? Does he have self-control? These are the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And you have to look at these people and their spiritual lives through that kind of a lens. You don't look at their gifts. So may the Lord help us. The third these are people who are very greedy. And he gives this very uh, interesting example. Look at verses 15 and 16. They have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Bezer, who loved the wages of wickedness. Here Peter referred to a person named Balaam. Balaam Balaam was a prophet who was referred to as somebody who loved the wages of wickedness. You have to uh, go back to the Old Testament and look at this, the story of Balaam. Yeah, number 22, 24. In numbers 22 and 24. During that time, the, uh, the king was asking Balaam to curse the people of Israel. But God said to Balaam, You should not go. Because these people are uh, people of, uh, of uh, blessed by me. Balaam seems like he's very obedient. So he asked the Moab people, the, the, uh, the Moab contingent to go back home. The Lord has forbidden me to curse these people. But the Moabites came back the second time. They brought even more gold and silver. And look at how eloquent Balaam was. Even if you give me a house full of gold and silver, I will not go. Because I cannot go against what the Lord has ordered me to do. He speaks so eloquently. But he added one more thing. Just stay for the night. I would go and inquire of the Lord once more. He asked them to stay behind. Because I, uh, he would answer them tomorrow. So next day, it seems like the Lord has changed his mind and gave him the go signal. So together with the Moabites, he went there with the purpose of cursing the Israelites. On the way, on the way, on the way there to Israel, the Lord used his donkey to to rebuke Balaam. So Balaam was so angry. And he beat that uh, donkey. A lot of people do not understand this. Why is it that the Lord wanted to kill Balaam? Was it because the Lord has allowed him to go? No. No. You know where his failure was? He should not have asked the second time. Instead, he should have asked these Moabites to go home stay for a night. and not ask them to stay for one more night. You know why? You know why? The Lord will never change. 
You don't even have to pray about this. Listen to me when I say this. We often use the phrase pray without ceasing. Listen. Listen. But there are occasions when you the more you pray, the more you sin. You say, is it is it correct? That we sin when we pray? Yes. Yes. There are occasions when the more you pray, the more you sin. You shouldn't even pray about it. You know why? You know why? Because once you're clear about God's will for you, you will not pray about it anymore. Instead, you would submit yourself and start doing whatever God's will for you is. When you're clear, when you clearly know. That God has already said no to this request. When you pray about it, you are testing God. So that's why the Bible said, Don't put your God on test. Don't put your God to the test. You do not test your God. For example, for example, for example. You are a married person. Suddenly, you, you met a very attractive lady. And you are so attracted to that person. And you feel like if I can't have this girl, then I cannot live anymore. So you pray. Lord, is this your will or not? If I will God, I'll go and I'll say to you, go and die. Because you know clearly that you are married. This person does not belong to you. And if you say to yourself, I, if I don't have this person, I will die, then the Lord says it's better for you to die. It's, because it's better for you to die than fall into sin. Balaam's failure started with his prayer because he was a greedy person. He was... He, he, he looked at money and all these uh, all these treasures as his Lord. When the Moabites came with all these treasures, his heart was attracted to all these treasures. The Lord knew that he wanted to go. The Lord said, you can go, but you cannot speak anything aside from what I will tell you. And in fact, the Lord used a donkey to speak to him, warn him. Think about this. And one day, for example, you have pets. In your house, you have a pet dog or a pet cat. One day, once you go home, and the, and the dog spoke to you, why, why are you home so early? What did you do? And you probably say, there's no traffic. He probably would be shocked that the, the dog is speaking to you. Would that be your, your reaction? Look at Balaam. When the donkey spoke to him like a human, he answered back. It's like a very normal conversation. You know why? He was no longer pay, uh, paying attention to his surroundings because his mind was focused on the treasure. Your church. 
Where is your heart? That's very important. Balaam's heart was already in those treasures. So when the donkey spoke to him, he didn't find it strange. In fact, he conversed with the donkey. So dear church, you have to pay attention to these kind of people. These are people with greed in their heart. May the Lord help us. You know who Balaam represents? Balaam represents the hypocrites in the church. They appear to be speaking about spiritual things, but their heart is full of greed. May the Lord help us. One day you would notice that somebody's personality is full of greed. You have to uh, be careful. There's, there's a problem in that person's life. We, as a human being, loves money. We love money. But there are money which we can earn and there are money which we should not earn. Because there are, these are money when we earn them, they are not blessings. These are unrighteous gains. May the Lord help us. And the last one, these, are false, these false teachers are prone to empty boasting. Look at verses 17 uh, to 19. These people are springs without water and mid, mids, uh, mist driven by a storm. Blackest darkness is reserved for them. For their mouth they mouth empty boastful words and by appealing to the lustful desires of the flesh they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. The Bible used these two descriptive phrases to describe these false teachers. There are springs without waters and there are mists driven by a storm. What do we mean when we say springs without water? Just think about it. When you pass by a well, what do you do? Of course, you would look and you would like to draw water from it. So you are hopeful that once you draw from that well, you would be able to draw water. But once you start to draw, you found that it's an empty well. So you're you're disappointed. Yeah, they expect something will happen. You were expecting something and it didn't happen. What do we mean when we say mist driven by a storm? What is a mist? It's a very, very thin form of moisture, layer of moisture. Of course, the mist will distort our vision and we will not be able to see clearly. Uh, many years ago, I remember this one time. I have this classmate of mine from Hong Kong who traveled to the Philippines. So, 
together with another pastor, the three of us went up to Baguio. Because we went there for a vacation. So after our vacation in Baguio, we were coming back home. Because we were rushing for time. So we left Baguio 4.30 or 5 in the morning. It was my first time to leave Baguio that early to come back to Manila. It was the, uh, the first time I was so frightened. This whole Baguio during that early morning was covered with mist. It was, it was so foggy. It's practically zero visibility on the road. When I open my light, I can only see, I can only see that the wheel of the car right in front of me. It was the first time I was so nervous. I was going down by During that time, there was no Marcus Highway. We had to go down Cannon Road. So we had to wind down the zigzag of uh, zigzag road of Cannon Road. It was the first time I was driving that I was so afraid. Because I was so afraid that I might fall off the cliff and, and say goodbye to everyone. That's how frightening mist Because it obscures our vision and we cannot see see what's in front of us. Peter used these two descriptive phrases to describe the false teachers. They are springs without water. You may be expecting things from them, but you will never be able to get them. And they are mist driven by a storm. Because they will obscure your vision. But Kong is driven by a storm. Kong Kong And they are missed being driven away by a storm. Suddenly, and they, they will just dis, uh, disperse. Let me tell you. These, the work of these false teachers have no eternal value. If you follow them, if you subscribe to their beliefs, then you will have no eternal return. Because the Lord will not remember their work nor your work. So may the Lord help us. The, the false teachers would, would, uh, would often give us what seems to be like a blank check. He would give you so many promises. Just like what Peter said. They would love to give you and promise you freedom, but they themselves are not free. Let me ask you, what is freedom? Please take note. Doing what one wants what one wants to do is not true freedom. No, no, it's not the freedom. That's not true freedom. A lot of people say, I refuse to accept the Lord because becoming a Christian means I will have less freedom. Because there are so many things I'm not allowed no, to do. No, 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 no. That's not true. I cannot drink. Who said that you cannot drink? I cannot play mahjong. Who said that you cannot play mahjong? True freedom it is your uh, you being able to refuse to do things. Many years ago, uh, probably a lot of you were not 
born yet, it was in 1970s. There's this uh, person in Hong Kong that's uh, this personality in Hong Kong that's very unique. This person had lung cancer. That's, that's, that was from an article in the newspaper. After his surgery, the doctors, uh, doctor opened a hole there and put in a tube to allow him to breathe. And the doctor said to him, you should not smoke anymore. Because if you continue smoking, you will die. And he said, yes. So after he left, and people was, were able to take a photo of him, you know how he smoked? And he put that cigarette so, into the tube. So that, that, that uh, moment was captured in the photo. So he did not smoke with his mouth, but rather he smoked through the tube. That's not true freedom. True freedom is not doing what one does not want to do. That is true freedom. Forgive me for saying this. Today, all of us have our cell phones. Let me ask you. Can you leave behind your cell phone for two hours? And somebody once said, if I just leave my phone and not touch my phone for one hour, I'd probably die. The cell phone became your God. We said the Lord is my shepherd, but it seems like the, uh, the, the cell phone becomes our shepherd. Cell phone is very beneficial, it's very good. It's very convenient. But please remember, don't don't be a slave to your cell phone. Let me ask you this question. When you wake up in the morning, what was, what's the first thing you do? Don't tell me that you pray and you read the Bible. Because I don't do that either. When somebody will claim, when I wake up, I, I look at God. That's not true, you're lying. <laughs> so when, I when I wake up, the first thing I saw is my wife's face. And I've, I've, looking, I've been looking at her for the past 30 plus years. But let me ask you, when you wake up, when you are fully awake, what do you do? A lot of people, they would pick up their cell phone. They would be moving in. They would not rise up from the bed. They would just move in the bed. For 30 minutes, somebody would spend even an hour just browsing through their phone. Is it that important? Is Facebook that important for you? Are your messages that important? I would have to confess that I don't look at God immediately when I wake up. I would, I would feed my dog and walk my dog first. Then, then I go to the office. I don't use my cell phone yet. And I would do my devotion. After an hour, I would go back up. My cell phone would be left there and I would not touch it. May the Lord help us. We should not become slaves to our cell phone because the cell phone is not our Lord. Our true Lord is our God. That we would 
That may the Lord help us that we will find true freedom. So that when we can forego looking at our cell phone, we'll be able to not look at our cell phone and use our time wisely. Peter was not very courteous towards these false teachers. You know why? You know why? Look at verse 21. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. The false teachers, false prophets, they know the way. Yet they turned their back against the way that the Lord has shown them. These are, they, they, these are people who know what is right and yet do what is wrong. So that's why they will be judged even more severely. Your church. James also warned us like that. He said, brothers, not many of you should want to be teachers because you will be judged even more strictly. There's a Chinese saying that's quite similar to this. Man's greatest problem is we want to teach others. We want to teach others. There's nothing wrong with teaching others. But don't become false teachers. Don't harm yourself, don't harm other people. That's why Peter was not very courteous towards Look at how he rebuked these false teachers. Of them, the, prof- the proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit, and a saw that is washed returns to her wallowing in the mud. Uh, false teacher is like a dog and a pig. This is such a severe rebuke. For the Jewish people, a dog and a pig are unclean animals. These are the lowest form of animals for them. And Peter twice described them as such. First time in the first uh, occasion is in verse 12. They are like unreasoning animals, creatures of instinct. And once more he repeated it. And I understood one thing. We often say we have to love other people. There is nothing wrong there. God is love. God is love. But please remember. We should not love them more than uh, the Lord loves them. You have to love what the Lord loves and hate what the Lord hates. If there's no boundary in love, that is not love. You would harm other people. You would allow that person to continue in their sin. You know. I don't know why is it that when uh, after I came to the Philippines, <laughs> this is the first time for me when I was here in the Philippines to uh, hear this kind of a strange teaching. This is what they said. When you see that your husband has a mistress, what do you do? You pray for that person. You pray for him. 
That he will like he will be like the prodigal son, he will come back home. Don't rebuke him. You be patient. patient. You be patient. Once he's uh, he's done playing, he will come home. You would have your husband back. Whoever came up with that kind of truth, that is not the truth. These are not truths based on God's word. But isn't it that you said that we should have love, we should have patience, we should be gracious? No, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. I'm sorry. Uh. L- l- forgive me. If your husband has a mistress and they have a sexual relationship and he comes back home and he has a relationship with you, let me tell you, let me tell you if that happens, you are living in sin. The three of you are living in sin. He's sinning and you're sinning with him. That's not the teachings of the Bible. But I love that person. Let me ask you. If you truly love that person, would you allow that person to continue living in sin? He continues to go out. He continues to sin. But I love him. It's okay. No. No. You're living in sin. What do you do? You have to speak with that person. If you don't leave that person, don't come back home. Don't come back home. If you don't repent, don't come back home. That is what we should properly do. Because we love him. But we allow that person, we give him the opportunity to repent. Unless he repents, I will not allow you to continue living in sin. We may the Lord help us because we are filled with so many and surrounded with so many strange teachings. These are, these are reasoning that came from human thoughts. Because as Chinese, we find it strange. When a, when a man has a mistress, it seems like it's okay. My grandfather was like that. Try it. But if your wife has a lover outside, but if your wife has a lover outside, what would you say to her? It's okay, I'm patient towards you. After you've done playing, come back home. Do you have this kind of man here? You probably be number one man in the whole world. Of course not. Or probably kick her out. Why is it not the same when it's the opposite that happens? Because we have put in our Chinese culture into our lives. Lord help us. Peter was never courteous towards these false teachers. But we love them. But we have to love them according to God's truth. The Lord help us that we would really know and understand God's truth. So we would distinguish from true and false teachings. May the Lord be with us. Let's pray. Dear God, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your important and, and very impactful reminder to us, towards us, Lord, that we need to know your word. We need to be saturated in the truth so much that it comes out of our lives, that we will never be deceived by these false teachers, Lord. Our lives, our surroundings are filled with many of these false teachings and false teachers, Lord. 
Help us to be able to discern and know them from their actions, from their lives, from, from how they live their lives and their lifestyles, Lord. And may we have your um, hedge of protection around us so, to, so that we will not fall into their traps, but instead we would follow you wholeheartedly and steadfastly, Lord. Help us to hold on to the truth and influence others to live and follow your truth, Lord. May you be with the church. May you help all of us, Lord, in the church to be a perfect example of who you want us to be, Lord. This is our prayer with thanksgiving in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Amen.